Praise the Lord. Um, today we will be looking at a very tiny portion and uh, I'm praying to the Lord at the moment. Let's come together and let's pray and let's reason with the word and understand what it means. Abba, we come to you. Uh, we ask you that you would give us wisdom in order to understand your word. Please, Abba, we are your children. We need your wisdom to grow. We need it like the air we breathe, like the water we drink because you are tastier than honey you are refreshing than the refreshing water that can your healing is sufficient for us we thank you that you will provide us wisdom where we lack jesus name we pray amen all right um so this is from luke chapter 16. um those who have niv it would have the title the parable of the shrewd manager or in other versions, it would be quite similar. Like um, in ESV, it would be the parable of the dishonest manager. So let's go to this. I'm going to read that portion. So come, let's read it together. Luke chapter 16, verse 1 onwards. He, Jesus, also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man the manager was wasting his possessions the rich man called the manager and said to him what is this that i hear about you turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager the manager said to himself what shall i do since my master is taking my management away from me i'm not strong enough to take and i'm ashamed to beg I have decided what to do so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first one, how much do you, my master? He said, 100 measures of oil. Then he said to him, take your bill quick and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he asked another one. How much do you owe my master? He said, 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill, write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Jesus said, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make yourself friends for yourself by means of unrighteousness, unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. Verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will trust you with true richness? For if you have not been faithful in what which is another's, who will give you what is of your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Praise be to Lord. This is chapter 16 of Luke, verses 1 to 12. Um, so the story is this. 
Jesus had just finished preaching the prodigal son. So people understood that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about a father who welcomes um, everyone, the lost son. Because in Luke chapter 15, when you look at it, we have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And um, I've often told this, um, it also be, shows like the prodigal father, a father who did not stay within the customs, but rather who went out of the way to love a bad son and call him back. And that shows us the father heart of God. And that's an amazing topic that we have to always remind ourselves to. And then continuing on from the same topic, he talks about a prodigal manager or a dishonest manager, a person who is wasting and squandering away with money. One of the first things that we recognize here is that um, money on wealth has to do a lot with everyone's daily life. Jesus was not an, a monk sitting away and saying, this is none of the world. He knew what money did with people. He knew what wealth meant to people. It did not just mean financial stability for today. It did not mean riches for today. It also meant financial stability and riches for future. So for And that is what he's been trying to also point out through all these measures, saying that there was once a lost coin and how important it was that God, find, God helps people find um, not just the lost coin, but also God seeks the sinner or the lost sheep and then the lost son. And in the same way, here, the parable continues on because now Jesus captured the attention because in the last story, when you see one of the biggest questions from those who come from a very cultural background, they ask, well, the first son took, um, the second son, the younger son took half of what the father owned and he wasted it. And he comes back. And now he is now going to share the rest half what his brother owes. So, um, and it's not exactly like that, how the, how they would uh, divide the wealth. So there would be a portion for the family and there would be also a portion they would divide for the sons. So, so the younger son still would have a portion from his father's share, um, you know, to live on. But there was, so, you know, the parts of the people at the moment were still a bit furious that Jesus said that the sinner inherits the kingdom of God. The God the Father is so loving that the sinner is brought back. And that kind of created this um, inherent feeling. Saying, but the feeling was not for the sinner, but for the money and the wealth that most people saw it. They said, this is, this is not nice. Jesus is saying that, this, the, that the wealth and the, that the elder son who has kept it safely, has not wasted it, is now going to be shared. Or the father's wealth is going to be shared. It's not going to go to the elder son, but goes to the prodigal son. So Jesus, one of the first things we notice here is Jesus aims on to telling and shaking their hearts and asking them where your value is. Where, do you, where are you looking when you're hearing the gospel? You see, one of the targets of this message was the Pharisees. And Jesus is bringing the target and asking them, how can you serve God and serve money? You cannot do that. That's verse number 12. He's bringing that point clear through this parable. 
And it's not easy to understand this parable because if you take a parable without the entire context and take it as a chapter, you're going to fail to realize it. You have to look at it as a long message, a very active back and forth message. Agreed, the Pharisees have not spoken against Jesus anything, but Jesus knew their heart and Jesus knew their looks that they were giving him. Look at this. Um, this is verse 14. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard these things and they ridiculed him. And Jesus said to them, You are those who justify yourself before God men but god knows your heart and what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of god you see god, jesus even showed mercy and gave the pharisees a chance to hear the gospel and and just shake their hearts from their hard heartedness and say listen to even the most simplest parable one of the things about parables where they were conceivingly, um, you know, hard to understand at the first look. Only, uh, like Jesus says in one place, those who have ears at them hear. You know, the Spirit is the one who gives us ears. You know, there are many people who will love Christ, who who are, um, who say, you know, they love Christ, they love the Word, they love to do missionary work. But their hearts are sometimes too close in their theological framework or in their understanding and they say okay this is all i want to understand this is all that matters and they would go around with every emotion that they have without even trying to ask can i be wrong you see brother and sister this is the first thing that you have to do today ask yourself can i be wrong in something and ask the word ask the holy spirit because that's a promise guys that's a promise that god has given you to say Come anytime. Drink from me. That's the word of the God saying, come and ask me and I will give you wisdom to understand all these things. So that's where I'm tapping into and that's where we are going into. So let's get into this portion and then see how this entire story falls out. Okay. So, so Jesus is talking to his disciples here and also there's also a crowd. He's not just telling his disciples because we would whenever Jesus does that, Jesus would then Luke would normally write, then Jesus and his disciples went to a quiet place and there he told to them alone in private. You have those words happening in the, the uh, towards the last days of Jesus on earth during the Gethsemane and um, by the Passover. We see Luke using the same terms, going in private, going in closeness. But here, Jesus is talking. He's very well aware that everyone is listening, but he is directing his attention to the disciples. He's telling them a story. He's trying to give them an explanation to what is in their heart. They are thinking. They are also thinking. In fact, even Judas might be standing there having no idea what he's going to do next. And he's thinking about the money. How is that father who bought in a prodigal son, how is he going to now start dividing his wealth? You see, that is one of the points that the Pharisees have always contested on. And so Jesus is giving an answer to them, the wider public, but by directing it to his disciples. You have seen this in your house. 
Like, let's say, in my house sometimes, when my wife is a bit angry that I have left a wet uh, towel on the floor of the house or on the bed, uh, like most men do, and I am working out that habit, um, she would say, simply, why do I clean the bed? Why do I clean the floors when I could just use this wet towel? So, you know, this is, that's, you know, she's not, she's directing at me, but she's not saying it to me. She's saying it just in public. So, you know, that's an example I could give to you so that, you know, you, let's relax and let's hear this thing again. Okay, let's go. Jesus is telling the story. There's once a rich man. And like most rich men, um, this man is not just rich, but he's very rich. That he was not there present to take care. So he had a manager. So this this in olden times, um, you would have people um, who were very rich and they would go for trips to get more money, to make more friends, make more contacts, like normal business people do. And they would have managers taking care of their position. There's once upon a time, like there's a rich man like that. And he had a manager. And one time he heard that from someone bought an accusation. They, they bought it to him saying, hey, there's a charge. Charge means, you know, they're purposely, they're bringing with serious accusations, with probably evidence, saying there's this man who is wasting his money. So this is a bad manager. He is someone who is, long, who is not using his management skills. He is purposely wasting his money. He's not a foolish manager. He, we know that he is a bad manager. He is not a... Uh, he's not a, we're not told he was not a clever manager. He was a shrewd and evil manager. He was someone who, um, like, you know, you see politicians portrayed in movies, people who are in power, who wants to make themselves rich. Okay, so he was something like that. So he has been wasting the manager's money. So he, so naturally, uh, this is a big manager because when you look at, the stuff the other people owed him, you know, you would have one person owe him around 3,000 liters of oil. The second person owe him 45,000 liters of grains. And that is not an easy amount even now to make. It is a really hard amount of oil to make or grains to make. So, this man was in charge of many people who had taken collateral from the manager. Grains, oil and stuff as, they, as naturally how trading works. They would go. So this man was in charge of this. And when the manager found out, sorry, when the rich owner found out that this manager was doing, instead of firing him at spot, the he said to the manager, go get me the account book. And we will have to, then I'm going to fire you. So there's nothing for this manager here. This is really bad management principle. Uh, the manager is given chance to go and uh, get his account books and get everything and make a big presentation, full knowing that he's going to be fired. Naturally, this is an evil manager. This is a very bad manager. And he suddenly has this idea. See, none of the things that Jesus tells here, remember, uh, the second point is none of the things that Jesus tells here is for us to follow. Jesus is telling us an example, a story to highlight something. So do not 
take this parable and say, this is how I'm going to live my life. Jesus will come and point out what you should do down the lines. So do not say, I'm going to be this evil manager going to loot my company. Don't do that. So here we see this manager. He says, um, what do I hear about you? Get the account books. You can no longer be manager. So manager said, okay, what am I going to do? My master caught me. I'm messed up. Now there's nothing I can do. Uh, he's going to take away my management. Naturally, that goes away with my um, respect in the society, my power in the society. You know, just think about this. Think of the manager as a small minister, minister of internal affairs or minister of public funds. And all of a sudden, you understand that very clearly. The, the minister has been laundering money, has been helping his friends and family, and he has been partying. All of a sudden, he's exposed. He has to now be fired, but instead of firing him, they said, okay, yeah, we'll give you some more time, one more week before we fire you, uh, but we're going to definitely fire you. So what he does is what we're going to see. So he realized that he's, go he's super messed up. There's nothing way out. He, he comes to his real nature. We see what his real nature was from all along. He's still here. What he does is this. He says, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm not I'm not a strong person. I'm, 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 I'm probably he was also a very proud person. And he said, I'm ashamed to beg. I'm not going to beg. I have been enjoying this luxurious life. I'm not going to go down on my knees and beg people for money. I'm going to do something more evil. I'm going to show people what, what kind of person I am. So what he does is this. What shall I do so that people get me into their houses. You know, he has been going into houses of people. People have been like, you know, because imagine this. I mean, uh, some state minister come into your house. Um, even though you know he's a bad person, you know, if you scrub, scratch his back, he will help you. That, you know, that kind of relationship. So like in that, and he's been enjoying that. Now he does not want to let go of that. So what he does is, in the society, he says, if I make everyone owe me something then no one can blame me because all of them are collectively owing me something the entire community is anyway evil and i'm going to use their evil against themselves so he goes to the first person he says how much do you owe he said a hundred measures of oil which is almost three thousand liters of oil and he says okay cut it off make it 50. You know, that's a huge amount of money. They just, he just, he did go 50% of the money he owned. Imagine that person owed around 10,000 10, euros or 1 lakh rupees or 2 lakh rupees. And they said, okay, no, no, make it just 1 lakh or half a lakh. You know, he reduced the burden. And then he doesn't do that with one person. He goes to the next person. And then he goes to the next person and so on. He goes, so he goes to the next person. How much do you owe? He said, this much amount of wheat. And um, he said, you know, instead of 40,000, um, 45,000 liters of wheat, make it uh, 22,000 liters of wheat. And none of these people question him. Because everyone is happy that suddenly they got a 50% or a 20% or a 30% or discount. Everyone is happy. No one is, no one is, no one is against him. And now he has each and every household that owes that, ma that rich man money in his possession. The rich man has actually made a big loss because he should have fired this man on the spot and then later investigated in the funds. 
but this point is not the story is not about the rich man's richness or the how the rich man is foolish it is about this evil man and jesus is telling this he said see he says this line here for the sons of this world are more shrewd or are more evil in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light who are the sons of light brothers you and i are brothers uh, sons of light we love god and we lo- and in john it says you are children of the light and and we are the sons of light and he says the sons of light are not as evil as this person but this evil person knows the evil around him and he behaves in the way that the evil people want and they are all happy together now the question that we have to go into is this can this manager forever live in this wealth no he's going to die and this wealth is going to end there once he dies no one is going to speak up and say that this man had been stealing but at the same time no one is going to support anything else for his family in the future they only owe this man a debt so there's nothing he's keeping as a treasure his treasure is going to go fully off this money is just going to go away he cannot take any uh, any cent of it into heaven there's nothing here and uh, jesus is saying i tell you make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth that means you know it says also in other in other versions he says by mammon which is um with all these evil possessions make make friends with yourself evil possession for what so that when they fail your friends may receive you into eternal dwellings he's not talking about earth here he's talking about heaven here let me tell you something one of the things that i like to take away from this is this. you know we all need to make money our companies our firms they have loopholes they have different ideas they have different strategies we go through several strategic meetings how to make the maximum out of a situation the world is like that yes there are very strong ethical christian businesses but <coughs> sorry but most of the places the world is interested in profits he think do this when you are in this place of wealth he's not teaching telling his disciples you're going to one day come to a place where you would come across this wealth a great share among yourself love but just don't say that this is not part of your world you are going to need this wealth this evil you're going to still need it that is how the world works they will come a day when that is not how the world works but till that day this is how the world will work then use that wealth for eternal kingdom how can you do that let me give you an example few people that i really respect they pack their bags with clothes then on top of that they put sweets and on top of that they put something 
some books and then on top of that they came with clothes and sweets and food and everything dressed up like hitchhikers who wanted to explore some strong muslim countries and they went they were stopped at passport holders they were searched their bags they looked at it they said oh you guys are people here for having fun you got clothes you got food and sweets go ahead enjoy make make your life happy they let them go the books that they were holding were bible they smuggled the bible into very strong muslim countries they could have been killed at that point for that if they had bible had been discovered but no they were not they were missionaries who have been smuggling bibles into china into russia into afghanistan into saudi arabia in large bulk because they know that they will make this money but they want to use the money for the rightest reason to build up the kingdom of god to save the lost to save the ones who are lost see jesus is saying that see there are unrighteousness even the unrighteous people they take the money to build for themselves long long lasting places they try to make friends with this evil money you are people of the light when you live in this place you use those wealth that you have not as a distraction like how the pharisees were distracted on seeing how the father is going to divide the money but rather use these money use these provisions use these richness to further and build the kingdom of god you see the bad manager took the money that belonged to the the rich man and instead of instead of create he creates a whole new relationship with his bad friends or the and he jesus saying you know if the bad world can think about ways to protect themselves if the bad world can think about ways to turn to look at things that are useless and build kingdoms for themselves when you as children of light you have to be wise that and be always watchful that you always be careful that hey you have a purpose here is the bad manager realizes his purpose only when things got really bad and yet he did it but the last moment he went and fixed it all he says you as children of light you are given the wisdom how to take care of your possessions you are given wisdom how to invest in it you are given how to build the kingdom of god in this support missionaries support uh fund people who serve god pour deeply into building the kingdom because why how how the how does it differ you see the bad manager took the bad uh, the, the foolish rich man's money and did made his own kingdom 
But if we look at the money that we have as gods, it's God's money. God has given us a good job. You know, you know one of the things I've always enjoyed was um, some preacher. I, think, I believe it's Tim Keller. He brings a set of questions. He says, how are you in this place that you are? And you say, oh, well, it's because I have good education. I studied well. I worked hard and now I got my good job. He says, are you sure that you got it because of you? Well, I, I studied really well in this good university and uh, I was able to go and apply for this job. You know, there are many people, do you, do you, don't you realize that there are many people who have equal education as you, equal opportunities as you, and they still don't apply because there was no one to guide them in that place. You had people to guide you into that place. Oh, what about that? Let's take, let's say, you know, you are so proud saying, you know, I just built it all of my own. I am a hardworking person. Are you really sure? Are you sure that you were born in this family because of some merit? You know, your father and mother were in a in a capable position of nurturing, blessing, giving you the right education, giving you the right schools, giving you the right food, give, making sure that you are healthy till this point that you could get because of something that you did? No. You see, everything is a blessing from God. Therefore, even your job is a blessing from God. Even the money that you make is a blessing from God. And therefore, you know, when people say, oh, I'll give my tithe to God, you're not talking about, I will give my tithe to God. Tithe, even in those olden times, tithe was just a blessing in order to support the life. That was a mandatory thing. In the New Testament, we see our entire bodies, our entire life, our entire wealth is a blessing from God. It's an entire perspective. Even in the Old Testament, it says about the entire person being subjected to God. 100% of your money belongs to God. He's saying, that's what, you know, that's what the verse says. Children of the evil people in the world know how to build their kingdom. They know how to build their small, small, kuti-kuti kingdoms, baby kingdoms, where they will become welcomed. In the same way, Jesus is telling us, think bigger. You do not belong to this failing, frail kingdom. It is going to fail you. That's why it says, when this fails, then the people you helped will, will welcome you into the eternal dwelling God is giving them and you. How amazing it is going to be that when you reach heaven, you would find people who you don't know who would say, this man paid for the Bible. This man paid for my college education. This man paid for me to know the Lord. You know, there are ways that we have helped and we help those who don't know God. In that same way, they saying, do it. Because when you realize that you cannot serve two masters, you cannot serve God and you cannot serve money and power and wealth in the same way you decide to serve God alone, you will love God and you hate the world and everything the world gives to you. You will love God and his kingdom and you'll be ready to pour out more for him. 
that is where you will be faithful and you would be said as a good and faithful servant. Look at that. One who is faithful in little, in his worldly riches, will, will also be faithful in much in the riches that are yet to come. You're not going to get money in heaven. You're going to get a huge brother and sisters who are going to love you. You're going to get the, you're going to, I have no idea what riches you're going to get in heaven. We only know that there are going to be riches in heaven. I have no idea what it is. But we know that we are part of building and every resource that we have been given, every thing that we have has been given to us in order to build the kingdom of heaven. And one who is dishonest, even in the little thing, you know, you start stealing from money. You start not sharing. You start saying, this is my money. Like, you know, Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Mine. You're going to do that. You're going to mess it up, brother and sister. He says, if you have been unfaithful in this unrighteousness, you know, in this useless pieces of paper and coins, which is just going to go away. You know, how many, like when Kuwait war happened, people were just flying out, throwing, throwing the currency of the land into the air and saying, useless. The Iraqis have conquered us. Friends of my father who were there have said they just collected notes in buckets because no one wanted them. They even just took it and put them in albums. Because they said, there's no point. We can go show it to everyone that this is useless. See? When the country goes down, there is no point. Look at Zimbabwe. Or... Look at countries. Like Zimbabwe, which has gone through hyperinflation, their notes are in millions. No one really wants it. This has a really value. See, but imagine there's someone who's still hoarding the riches and saying, "This is my money. This is my thing." Do you think God is going to say, "You inherit the true riches"? No. It's like you hoarding on useless garbage and then wanting riches in heaven. She just says, if you have not been faithful in what is someone else's, who will give to you which is their own? You know, if if I if someone gives you Thing, saying, okay, yeah, this belongs to ABC. You can take it for a while and you just mess it up. Do you think I'm going to let you have my stuff? No, I'm not going to let you have my stuff. I know how what he did to someone else's stuff. Why would I want it on my own? You see, when the Pharisees heard this, they were lovers of money. And they heard it and they were ridiculing him. They were saying, oh, Jesus, you're foolish. Jesus said to them, you are those who justify yourself before men. They say, oh, we don't need so much money. We don't need money. Money is from not ours. They say, you are the ones who justify yourself before man. But God knows your heart. I am God. I know your heart. But what is exalted among men is an abomination, abomination in the sight of God. 
the low profits, low and the profits. That means he's saying the old entire Old Testament, where until John, and since then the goodness of the kingdom of God is preached, and it, and everyone forces his way into it. It's for it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one dot of the law to become void. He's saying this is the same thing that God tells in the law: love your Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That means you have to love him with everything you have and not with the money. Not the money, not the world, not the things that the world and this pleasures can give you. See, brothers and sisters, this is the parable, what it means. It's not meant to, it's meant for us to wake us up. It's meant to shake you up and say, are you living your life foolishly? Not thinking about what you're doing with what God has given you can be also talents that God has given you. But more importantly, ask yourself, what is the hardest thing for me to give to someone else? And I think most of the cases be money. Because we all struggle with money. We are none of us, at least none of the people who are listening to me, I know of are super rich. And we struggle every day with that. So, three points that we can take out. One, there's a loving God who does amazing stuff for us. Two, He wants your entire devotion. He does not want you to choose between Him and money. He wants you to choose only Him and trust in Him. Three, when you choose God as your primary, then your entire habit belongs and moves to making Him glorious. see God is calling us in this strange portion to not be like the bad manager not be a person who exhorts your company for no he's trying to tell you that there even though the manager was bad he he wanted to make sure that he had enough for the future. Are we spending on everything that's enough for our future? If you're a believer, you know your future is with Christ. And if you are on Team Jesus, if you are on that, then are you investing with all that you have because you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and let me add all your finances. Are you doing that? And and are you evaluating how you're doing that? God bless you all. I will continue on from verse 14 till verse 30. No, actually verse 14, 15 till verse 20, uh, verse 30 um, the next time. God bless you. Bye-bye.